0: That's the place I'd like to live. How about you? (laughs) All right, if you would open your Bibles with me again in Philippians chapter 3. I've titled the message, The Enemies of the Cross of Christ. And that sounds like a somewhat negative, not somewhat, very negative, I suppose, uh, subject, The Enemies of the Cross of Christ. But if the Lord will enable me, I'll uh, plan on making this a a positive and a blessing by using um, this subject, the enemies of the cross of Christ, to point us to Christ. And if we'll be pointed to Christ, it'll be a blessing. one. Now, since the apostle tells us in verse 18 that there are enemies of the cross of Christ, that tells me there must be some friends of the cross of, of Christ. And you and I would do well to learn the difference. You know, I want to know, am I a friend of the cross of Christ? And I want to be able to recognize the enemies of the the cross of Christ so that if I find I am one, I can beg God for mercy. And if I recognize others who are the enemies of the cross of Christ, I can avoid them. Because if they're enemies of the cross of Christ, they're enemies of Christ. They're enemies of God, and we would be well served to avoid them. Now, Paul begins in verse 17, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as you have us for an example. Now, when Paul says this, he's not setting himself up as the ruler of some sort of religious denomination. What he means is, you follow me as I follow Christ. You follow me. You follow my message as my preaching leads you to Christ. He told the same thing to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. You follow me only if I'm following Christ and my message is pointing you to Christ. And this is what he's saying here. He said, you, you follow me to Christ and you take note of my example. You take note of my example of faith to trust Christ alone. To be all of my salvation. And take note of my message. The only theme of my message is Christ and him crucified. And if the theme of someone else's message is not Christ and him crucified. Don't follow him. Don't follow him. You notice this. I'm not giving you something to do. To make yourself more savable. I'm not giving you something to do at all. I'm not giving you something to do to make yourself more savable. My message is you trust Christ alone. He's all of our salvation. I'm not telling you something to do to improve your righteousness or to keep your righteousness, to improve your standing before God. My message is trust Christ alone to be our righteousness. And I'm not telling you something to do in order to prove your salvation before men. That's not the issue. My message is, is you trust Christ alone. The only evidence that we have that God has saved us is saving faith in Christ. It's faith in the heart. And if we go about to prove to others that we've been saved, that God has saved us, you know what we're going to do? We'll fall into self-righteousness because we'll be looking at what we can do instead of trusting Christ alone. So Paul, that's what he says, you take note. You take note of my message. And you follow that. You follow other men that, that preach Christ, that preach the same message to lead you to Christ. And don't you keep company with somebody that, that opposes it. It's bad for your soul. You avoid them. Now in verse 18, he goes on. He says, here's why I'm telling you this. For many walk, many conduct themselves, of whom I've told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they're the enemies of the cross of Christ. You just remember this. Every religious person that acts nice, every religious person that uses the name of Jesus, every religious person that claims to believe Calvinistic teaching, as, as we tend to believe, that person is not necessarily a friend of Christ. They're not believers, and they're not neutral either. They're on one side of the fence or the other. They're not neutral. They're enemies of the cross of Christ. And I think it's important to know, Paul says, it gives me no pleasure to say that. I, I hear uh, some preachers, um, seems to give them a lot of pleasure to point out who's a heretic and who is, a, who is not a believer, who is not preaching the right gospel, who is an enemy of Christ. It Seems to give them a lot of pleasure to point that out. Paul says, I'm not, I don't say this with any pleasure. He says, I say it weeping, weeping. I weep for their souls. Their end is destruction unless God moves in mercy. And I weep for the souls, the the poor, blind, naive souls who follow them and believe their message. Their end is destruction unless God's merciful. And something's wrong with us if we find pleasure in that. Something's wrong. Well, How can I tell if I'm the enemy of the cross of Christ? I want to know that, don't you? If I if I am, I want to know it now so I can beg God for mercy. How can I tell who is the enemy of the cross of Christ? Well, simply put, an enemy of the cross of Christ is someone who's opposed to the message of the cross. You know, we talk about the cross. We're not talking about a piece of wood. We're talking about the message of the cross message of the cross and the message of the cross tells us two very important things it tells us about the character of god and it tells us about the character of man and those who are opposed to the gospel are enemies to that truth so number one an enemy of the cross they hate the message of the cross the enemy of the cross of christ hates the sovereign grace of the cross the cross declares god's sovereign grace christ didn't die for everybody He died for his sheep. He died for those that the Father gave him to save. He died for his elect and only his elect. Let me show you that in John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Now scripture is plain, there's sheep and there's goats. Christ is very plain here. He did not die for everybody. He giveth his life for the sheep, and only the sheep. Look down at verse 14. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. The cross of Christ tells us Christ died for his sheep. He died for his elect. And he showed us that in his suffering agony. He saved one thief and passed the other one by. Sovereign mercy, he died for his elect. The Lord Jesus Christ did not die to give everybody a chance to be saved, as long as they would just choose to accept him, choose to believe him. Christ didn't die for, to give somebody a chance and then they'd still perish. Christ died for his elect, and he fully and completely saved every last one of them. Everybody for whom he died is eternally saved. You know, Christ didn't die for somebody and shed his blood to put away their sin yet they perished because they decided not to accept it. I'm not going to accept his sacrifice so I'm not going to make that decision to accept his sacrifice so I'm going to perish. See, that's what the enemies of the cross believe, but they hate this message of sovereign grace that's declared at the cross that Christ saved His people from their sins. Now, we talk about people being enemies of the cross of Christ. They're not enemies of the cross, the way they determine what that means. They're not against Jesus dying on a cross to put away or to pay for the sins of all mankind. The enemies of the cross are not against Jesus dying to give everybody a chance to be saved and give me the chance to decide if I'm going to accept Jesus. Give me the chance to decide if I'm going to let Jesus into my heart. Here's the problem with that theology. If Christ died for the sins of all men, to give me a chance to be saved. Now I've got to decide if I'm going to accept it or not. That makes the sacrifice of Christ something offered to me. It's up to my, what are you going to do with it? You can accept it or reject it? The scripture is plain the sacrifice of Christ is not offered to us. It's not offered to men. The sacrifice of Christ is offered to God because God's the offended party. The blood is before the Lord because the Lord is the offended party. You and I have sinned against God and there's got to be a sacrifice to appease his anger, to appease his justice, to take away the sin that is against him. Sacrifice was offered to the Father, not you and me. How full of ourselves we think we gotta be that the Son of God's offering a sacrifice to us, my soul. And here's the reason that the enemies of the, of the cross oppose this message of sovereign grace. In verse 19, we'll get to that in just a little bit, but Paul says, their God is their belly. These false prophets, the desires of their flesh to fill their belly, that's what directs their message. They say things that people want to hear so people will support them, so people will, will keep coming. They they preach, quote-unquote, for material gain. They're minding earthly things, Paul says. But also I, I, I thought about this, the belly. Often in Scripture, the belly means your innermost being, doesn't it? Well, both those who preach and those who, who support them, who are the enemies of the cross of Christ, They have spiritual desires of their innermost being, of their nature, the nature of Adam that's in them, and that directs what they preach and what they believe. Saying that Christ only died for his elect, that takes away the satisfaction of the flesh to do something to please God and earn my way into heaven. The desire of the flesh is let me do it and I'll earn my way to God by what I do. The flesh hates being dependent on God. The flesh wants a chance. Don't, let, don't make me dependent upon God. And saying that Christ died for his elect and that salvation depends upon the free, sovereign grace of God. That offends the belly of the flesh. And you know what is at the very belly, the innermost being of all flesh is this, free will. That's why Adam took that fruit and sinned against God in the garden. He wanted his own free will. He wanted to be God. He didn't want to be under God's authority. He wanted to be the one to make the rules. And say what's good and what's evil. That's at the very heart of the nature of the flesh. And that's why these who, those who are the enemies of the cross. they They're such fierce enemies. Because it goes against their belly. The very innermost being of the flesh. And they want a chance because of this. They don't know we died in Adam. They don't know that we're born dead in sin. Their will, they have a will. Absolutely they have a will, but their will is dead in sin. Ours is too. And you and I will never ever choose God's way of salvation in Christ unless God chooses us first. God's got to violate our will. The will of our nature. If he's going to save us. He's got to give us a new want to. A new nature. A new belly. Before we'll ever bow. To God's sovereign grace. That's declared at the cross. All right number two. Enemies of the cross. They hate the atonement. Of the cross. The atonement that's declared at the cross. The message of the cross. Is that the death of Christ. Put away. All of the sin of all of his people. He was delivered for our offenses. That's why he died, for our sin. He was raised again for our justification. He was raised again as proof. His blood, his death satisfied God and put away the sin of his people. The apostle John wrote in 1 John 1 verse 7, The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. All sin. That is the message of the cross. It's the atonement. It's how sin is put away. It's not just covered over, it's put away. It's put away forever. So the atonement in the blood of Christ justifies God's people. It makes them without sin. Christ accomplished the justification of his people by his sacrifice. He made them without sin. You think what a what a glorious truth that is how loving and gracious that is that the son of God would die for people who are his enemies to justify them to put their sin away how can you be an enemy of that because you're in the flesh that's why and that justification is earned it's purchased by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and God's people receive it they receive it by faith They receive it as a free gift from God's hand. It's not something we earn by our works of the law. It's not something we earn by our religion or all of our religious activity. It's received by faith. And the enemies of the cross of Christ, they hate that message. It offends their ability to do righteousness. They still think they can do some righteous things. They still think there's something that they can do to put some of their sin away. They hate this message of the atonement in the blood of Christ because this is what it declares. We're totally depraved. We're ruined in Adam. And the flesh doesn't believe that. The flesh does not believe we are ruined in sin. The flesh believes we can still do some good and earn our way to heaven. But the problem is we can't save ourselves. We can't save ourselves. That's what the cross says. The message of the cross of Christ is this. We can't save ourselves. If we could save ourselves by our works of the law, by our religious activity, we can do something to make ourselves savable or to save ourselves, then the father is a monster for slaughtering his son. And who would want to worship a God like that? You know why the father slaughtered his son like he did at the cross? Because that's the only way sinners can be saved. And the enemies of the cross hate that message because they're proud. They're proud of their righteousness. Paul says in verse 19, how does he say it exactly? Their glory is in their shame. What they should be ashamed of, their filthy rags of righteousness, they should be ashamed of that. That's our shame. Our shame is what we produce by nature, the horrible, ugly, black filth that we produce. That's what we ought to be ashamed of. And they're glorying in it because they, sti- they still think the flesh can do something good. And the message that says the only way we can be saved is by the blood of Christ. That offends their ability to do their own righteousness. Number three, enemies of the cross of Christ, they hate the means of applying the blood of Christ. Now, man by nature doesn't have the smarts to figure out God. We can't figure out how God saves sinners. We can't, can't figure out what God means in, in his word. And we'll never figure it out and we'll never believe it unless the Holy Spirit gives us a new nature, a heart to believe it. The Spirit's got to reveal Christ to us or we'll never see him. We'll never believe him. Now, how does the Holy Spirit reveal Christ to the hearts of his people? Does he just... uh You're out one evening sitting on the back porch talking to your wife enjoying a a crisp fall evening and suddenly it just comes to you? Do you you dream it at night and you wake up? Oh, I had a dream this morning. No, that's not how. Does does he use just any religion? Just any preaching? How how about the preaching of anybody that just uses the name Jesus? Now They're not not talking at all about the Jesus that we read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but they use his name... How does the Holy Spirit, how is he pleased to reveal Christ to the hearts of his people? It's by somebody preaching Christ. Now that's so plain, you can't miss it unless you're blind. If we're going to know Christ and believe him, Bob, somebody's got to tell us who he is. Somebody's got to say, here he is, look to him. Somebody's got to be like John the Baptist and say, behold, the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. You go to him. You believe him, you trust him, you cast yourself at his feet begging him for mercy. If we're going to know Christ, somebody's got to tell us who he is. Somebody's got to. We can't know God unless God's pleased to reveal himself to us. And that makes us dependent. You know, we're dependent on God. He's got to reveal himself to us. And worse yet, more humiliating yet, we're dependent on what man calls the foolishness of preaching. You're going to have to sit. If God's going to reveal himself to you. You're going to have to sit. And be quiet. And listen to a man who's just as sinful as you. Tell you about the Savior. You're not going to find a man better than you doing it. It's a man who's just as sinful as you. And you think. Well I don't like him. I know some things. See, I don't like him. Well yeah. <laughs> He's just as sinful as you. Nobody's saying preacher's better than you unless he's a false prophet. You're going to have to submit yourself to listening to another sinful man, another beggar, tell you where he found bread. Now the world calls that, the flesh calls that foolishness, but we're dependent on the Holy Spirit to make us sit and listen to that message and give us the faith to believe it or we'll never know God. And the enemies of the cross can't stand that. They can't stand being dependent on God like that. That message offends The wisdom of the flesh to think we know what's best and we can figure out God. All right, number four the enemies of the cross of Christ, oh, they hate this. They hate all the glory and all the attention going to Christ. They want some attention. Now, the message of the gospel and the theme of all eternity in heaven is one thing the glory of Christ. The subject of the gospel is not how God can bless you. The subject of the gospel is not even how sinners could be saved. The subject of the gospel, the subject of the gospel is the glory of Christ. Eric, when we preach, our job is to glorify Christ. That's our job. That's the only job. Glorify Christ. Now our salvation is the product of God's glory. But the theme of it, the reason why God's done everything he can do, is to, he has done, is to glorify his son. And I tell you, I love that. I love, I love the opportunity to get to talk about the glory of the Savior. The one who loved me and washed me from my sin. I love to talk about him. I mean, you think of the glory. I mean, it's just unimaginable to the human mind. Someone as wonderful, as glorious, as the Son of God. He is so glorious. John said in Revelation that heaven's not going to need a son because the land's the light of it. That's how glorious he is. Somebody that glorious would humble himself to do something so amazing as to save my eternal soul by his suffering and by his death. Somebody as wretched and vile and low down as me has been saved by someone as glorious as the Lord Jesus Christ. It's beyond human comprehension. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now I'm going to show you this is the theme of the gospel. It's the glory of Christ. He gets it all and we get none. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world. And things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, things which are just nothing to bring to naught things that are, that, here's why God's done it, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But it's of him, of his will, of his doing, of his choosing, of his keeping, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it's written, he that glorieth, do you want to glory? He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Ephesians chapter 1. This is the message of the gospel. The subject of the gospel is the glory of Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 11. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Now here's why he's working all things together after the counsel of his own will. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. See, everything is done is to the praise of his glory. That Christ be praised. That Christ be glorified. That is the message of the cross. Christ lifted up. This is his glory. By his sacrifice, he saved a bunch of sinners that didn't deserve it. The enemies of the cross of Christ hate that message because they want at least some credit for the good things that they think they've done. You cannot get the flesh to love this message of sovereign grace that we preach. Boy, you start talking about if you do some good things, you're going to get crowns in heaven and you're going to get a bigger um, mansion in glory than, than your than your buddy. The flesh eat that up all day long because it wants some glory. But the message of the cross of Christ tells us this. There's no room for anybody to have any glory except Christ the Savior. Because he did all the saving. All right, number five. The eternal end of the enemies of the cross of Christ is in verse 19. Whose end is destruction? See, this is why we say this weeping. Unless God moves in grace, their end... An enemy of the cross of Christ, the enemy of this message, they hate this message, the end, their end, is destruction. If a person hates the means of salvation, they refuse to trust in Christ, the only option is eternal destruction because Christ is the only Savior. All right? That's the enemies of the cross of Christ. Now let's look at the friends of the cross of Christ. If there's enemies, there has got to be some friends, don't there? Well, number one, friends of the cross of Christ, they love the message of sovereign grace that comes from the cross. Remember, the cross declares this, Christ died for his elect and only his elect. He died for his sheep, like the Lord said in John chapter 10, and all those sheep, all those elect, they shall be saved. Christ didn't die for anybody that perished, never. And the friends of the cross love hearing that message of sovereign grace. Sovereign grace. God choosing to be gracious to me even though I don't deserve it. Dan, that's my only hope of salvation because I know I can never do anything to deserve it. I love hearing of sovereign grace. God would choose a sinner like me? You don't know how bad I am. (laughs) That's who God chooses. Sinners. The chief of sinners. The friends of the cross love hearing Christ died. For me on purpose. Oh, I love you. Tell me that again. Again and again and again. Because that's the only hope of salvation I have. The only hope I have of salvation is that the Father chose me in divine election before he ever created anything. He chose me long before I was ever on the scene. That has to be my only hope. Because I'm telling you this, once I got here, I never would have chosen. He had to choose me first. Christ never would have died for me. Unless before God created anything, he chose me and gave me to his son to redeem. He had to do that before the foundation of the world because once I got here, I never did anything to deserve Christ dying for me. Just the opposite. All I did was sin. That required his death to, to redeem me. It's not hard for me to see I can't do one thing to please God. I mean, I can hardly do anything physically. I mean, just how dependent are you? I certainly can't do anything spiritually to please God. Well, that makes me very, very, very happy to depend on God to save me. I see something of who I am. I see something of who the Lord Jesus Christ is. I'm very, very, very happy to depend on him to save me without any help from me. The friends of the cross of Christ They love being dependent on God. They love it. I can't depend on my sinful works to make me righteous. I can't depend on how holy and how moral I can be. I mean, I I try to be very moral, but I can't depend on that. I can't depend on my faithfulness, but I sure can depend on God's faithfulness. I sure can depend on God to do what he promised he would do, and the friends of the cross of Christ wouldn't have it any other way. If you love just depending on God to save you and keep you, you're a friend of the cross of Christ. Number two, friends of the cross, they love the atonement of the cross. The message of the cross, remember, is the death of Christ put away all of the sin of all of his people. He didn't leave one for you to put away. Not one. By his work by his obedience under the law by his obedience unto death the lord jesus christ has justified his people he's made them without sin so there's not one left for you to put away now the friends of the cross of christ will love that message keep telling me that again and again and again. keep reminding me that again again and again because my flesh keeps trying to bring me back into captivity to the law my flesh keeps telling me these bad things would not be happening to you if, if you are obeying God's law better, if you start keeping the Ten Commandments better, oh my! You, you know, you start loving God a little more, start being a little more faithful to the service. Quit lying so much, quit stealing so much, quit want, quit wanting all these sinful things. My flesh keeps telling me, start keeping some laws, and God will be happy with you. So keep telling me again and again and again. Christ is my righteousness. Christ has justified me keep telling me that again and again and again i need to be reminded because i can't obey the law for even one second so tell me christ did it for me tell me again oh i love depending on christ to put away my sin i mean i'm almost all of our sin is just open willing uh, willing rebellion against god but have, have there been times you thought i didn't mean to do that i didn't mean to say that i didn't mean to think that that's so awful that's so vile that's tell me again, there's hope for me because Christ put away my sin. Tell me again. Tell me me again about the sacrifice of Christ. The salvation is not in what I do, but it's in him. It's It's in who he is and everything he's done. Tell me again. Keep pointing me away from my flesh and pointing me to Christ. Oh, I love that message. I love hearing how the death of Christ has satisfied God's justice for me. I hate what Christ had to suffer on account of me, on account of my sin. But I sure do like to hear, his death satisfied God's justice. That God's justice is not hunting me. That I have no fear of eternal death. Tell me again and again and again and again. Rest in Christ. Rest in Christ. Rest in Christ. Take the next scripture you find. Tell me, you, you, use that. Tell me to rest in Christ, and then flip over here and use that scripture. To tell me how to rest in Christ, because that takes all the pressure off. I don't know. Do did, did you all do, do stress eating? I find myself. I do this sometimes, and I've tried to, to uh, quit snacking so much at night. But uh, Jan and I watched a movie the other day, and this, the woman in the movie, she's just such a likable person you know and I just I really liked her and she got arrested for a crime that she didn't commit and she was going to be sentenced to death and they came in and offered her a plea deal now you know if you if you say that that, that you're guilty you'll just spend the rest of your life in jail and I thought I don't want her to go to jail I, I really like her she's I mean besides the fact she's innocent, I just really like her I don't want to go to jail and I found myself <laughs> eating chips and just candy and I mean I was just I thought oh my you're you're stressing you just got to quit this I had to remind me it's just a movie it's just Janet gets all worried I tell her it's just a movie and here I am doing I'm so nervous in Christ trust in Christ there's no stress eating it's just eating the, the gentle green pastures in his word drinking from the deep still waters no stress Keep telling me, look to Christ. I got enough stress. I got enough. Tell me, look to Christ so I have comfort for my soul. Is that you? Then you're a friend of the cross of Christ. Thirdly, friends of the cross of Christ, they love the means that God uses to apply the blood of Christ to my heart. God does it through preaching. He's pleased to reveal Christ to our hearts by preaching. God's pleased to call his elect to him through the preaching of the gospel. He's pleased to feed his people. He's pleased to comfort his people. He's he's pleased to strengthen his people all by the preaching of Christ. God's pleased to accomplish all of his will for his people on earth through the preaching of Christ. And that leaves me totally dependent on God to give the preacher a message for me and give me the ear to hear it and a heart to believe it. And I tell you, I love it. I love it that way. I don't want to be dependent on myself to figure this thing out. I don't want to be dependent on myself to to read these scriptures and figure this thing out for myself. I want to be dependent on God to use his gospel to reveal Christ to me and call me to him. I don't want that responsibility for myself. I'll tell you, I spent so many miserable years trying and failing to make myself believe Christ. I love being dependent on God to do for me what I can't do for myself. When I finally quit, quit trying to do this myself and beg God for mercy, He revealed Christ to me and now I can't not believe Him. I love hearing the gospel preach. There's an article I wrote in a bulletin today. You might want to read it or reread it about the preaching of the gospel I love the preaching of the gospel. I love it. I love it. I love hearing different men preach it. I know some men are more gifted than others. My ear might be more tuned to, to one man than another. But no matter who they are, if they're preaching the gospel, I love to hear the gospel preached. That's the means of salvation. They're declaring how God saves sinners. It's through Christ crucified, through the glory of Christ. I love to hear the gospel. That's the means of the new birth. That's the seed that God uses to give life in the hearts of his people. It strengthens me. Hearing the gospel preached strengthens me. It encourages me so I can keep going. You know, I can hear bad news too often. Can't you? I hear hear enough bad news. I can't hear the good news of Christ often. enough. I love it. Do you love the preaching of the gospel? Then you're a friend of the cross of Christ. Number four, friends of the cross of Christ, they love all the glory and all the attention going to Christ. This is why I love hearing the gospel preach. I love somebody telling about the glory of Christ. Because the only way I can have assurance of salvation is if the Lord Jesus Christ is so glorious, he cannot fail. He cannot fail nor be discouraged. See, there's no assurance. If you give me something to do, I'm going to be depressed. There's no assurance in that. But I sure can have assurance if Christ cannot fail to save his people from their sins. Just tell me that again. I love it. I love hearing how his death made satisfaction. He, not only is he a substitute for his people, he made satisfaction for them when he died in their place. I love hearing that. Because if that's true, and it is, it is true, Christ made satisfaction for the sins of his people, then I can never fail. I can never perish. I'm going to be discouraged if somebody tells me what I've got to do in the flesh because I will fail. But tell me how Christ can't fail. Oh, I love hearing that message. Do you love all the glory? Can, Can you just think, do you think, I can't wait to get to glory with a perfect body, a perfect mind, a perfect heart, a perfect motive, and a perfect tongue, a perfect voice box, and sing unto him. That loved us and washed us from our sins. Can you just, can you just think, I can't wait to join that choir and sing of the glories of Christ? Then you're a friend of the cross of Christ. And last, if you're a friend of the cross of Christ, listen to our end. Verse 20, Philippians chapter 3. For our conversation, our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Our conversation, our citizenship for the believer is in heaven. The Father has translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear Son, made us citizens there. That's our citizenship right now. And brother, that is is where we're going to spend eternity. And when the Lord comes, He's going to change our vile body. There's going to be no more walking around the house like this and spending Saturday doing some money-do lists. Uh, no more of that. But i tell you what's better than that. He's going to change our vile body and not just the body, the nature. No more nature of sin. No more toting around two natures. Just one. A nature that's perfectly conformed. Made just like our Lord Jesus Christ. And in that perfect nature. In that perfect body. Worship him face to face for eternity. Does that thrill your soul? Does that kind of put what you're going through in this world into perspective? Can that make you say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus, and you're a friend of the cross of Christ? Because that's the end that the cross of Christ declares for his people. All right. Well, I hope that'll be a blessing to us. We might find ourselves, by God's grace, friends of his cross. Let's bow together. Our Father, oh, how we thank you for your mercy and your grace. How we're thankful that you didn't leave us to ourselves or our own fleshly desires and our own fleshly goals. But Father, by your mercy and your grace, you make your people friends of the cross of Christ. I know by nature we're enemies. Oh, but Father, how we thank you that while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us make us friends of the cross of Christ, to make us friends of Christ our Savior. And Father, I pray you give each of us a heart of faith to believe him, to love him, to cling to him, to enable us to leave here this morning relying only on our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, in this dark, dark day, how we beg of you that you'd show us your glory, your redemptive glory, And no matter how vile we are and how vile the world is around us, that you still save your people, you still preserve them, you still keep them in Christ our Savior. It's for his glory and his sake we pray. Amen. All right, Sean.